0: And this is Encounter with God. Welcome back to Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88, right across Australia. And we're about to have our Bible study, the 20 million movement. Join 20 million other people. Around the world, all studying the same passage of the Bible together and all studying about unity at this particular time. So before we get into today's subject, Mon, give us another clue for our quiz.
1: The clue for our quiz, our breakfast Bible quiz. Okay, clue number, number four, was it? Yeah, number four. Okay, ready? The number of times Balaam beat his donkey. It's a poiled donkey. It's one of my favorite
0: stories in the whole Bible. It's a really
1: good story. How many times did that poiled donkey get I sh-
0: That sounds really bad. <laughs> I'm like, it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I like beating donkeys. No, <laughs> I don't like beating yeah. donkeys. That's not why it's my favorite story. I just think it's hilarious that um, Balaam beats his donkey and he's so angry and he's so upset when the donkey talks to him. He talks back. He replies. He has leave his brain. How far has he lost it? When something like that actually takes place,
1: he must have just had like a complete like mental shutdown. Just you know, you know how people get them—they really angry, and they just sort of block off, and nothing, nothing common sense gets through anymore. I wonder, yeah, just start having a conversation with an animal. be <laughs> that angry, it's just hilarious.
0: <laughs> yeah, something, something had switched off inside of his brain for sure. Now, before we get into today's, uh, into two days. Bible study of the day, Mon, why don't you remind our listeners how to, because we always tell our delayed broadcast listeners how to listen to the live show, mm-hmm. why don't you remind our listeners how you get to listen to Faith FM with a perfect signal anywhere you go, anytime, without having to worry about it drifting out of uh, reception? So, yeah,
1: yeah, it's actually very easy, and it's a really great to ha- uh, way to listen to radio. So as we all know, radio is sort of taking a step towards digital radio, and um We are both broadcasting the old school way and we are broadcasting digitally and you can listen to us via the digital broadcast which is the broadcast that has the best quality and uh, you can listen to it anywhere on the planet, it's not like uh, we have to be within range or anything in the old school, old-fashioned way, you can actually be on Antarctica and as long as you have some Wi-Fi on your phone, you can listen to our show. So download an app called TuneIn. It's a TuneIn app. You can download it for free. Don't get stuck and um, sucked into buying the uh, the paid version. Uh, just get the free version. Download that to your phone whatever device you have. Uh, search for Faith FM Australia and uh, you'll see our channel pops up. There's many different radio stations uh, on there, but you see Faith FM Australia will be on there. And then, of course, you can favorite that and then you can just press play. And you can listen to FaithFM wherever you are. You can, Lyle and I have traveled around the world and we've listened to FaithFM wherever we've been. And of course, if you don't want to download an app, it's fine. You can just go to our website. Uh, our website is faithfm.com.au and go to the top of the page, you'll see a live streaming. Uh, There's a little play button, like the regular stop, play, pause kind of buttons. And just press play on that and you'll be listening to whatever is being broadcast on FaithFM at that time.
0: Absolutely. Now, of course, uh, as we get into today's study, we're talking about unity, unity in Christ, unity uh, in relationship to the cross of Christ. Let's go to John chapter 11, and we'll start here in verse 51 and 52. Mon, If you could share those verses with us, please. So that's John chapter 11. Verse 51 and 52.
1: He did not say this on his own. As high priest at that time, he was led to prophesy that Jesus would die for the entire nation, and not only for that nation, but to bring together and unite all the children of God scattered around the world.
0: Okay, so we probably should actually back up from these verses and look for a little bit of context, shouldn't we? Yes. Uh, because it's like he did not say this on his own well who was it that was saying this and why did he not say this on his own and why is he here prophesying? and uh, so if we go back to uh, where we? John chapter 11 verse 51 if we back up a little bit there we find that well let's start in verse ooh, let's start in verse 47. why won't you to read for us in verse 47.
1: Uh, verse 47 Then the leading priests and Pharisees called the high council together. What are we going to do? They asked each other. This man certainly performs many miraculous signs. Yeah, keep going. If we allow him to go on like this, soon everyone will believe in him. Then the Roman army will come and destroy both our temple and our nation.
0: Okay, let's stop there for a moment. Let's think about this. Once you think about the logic, logic behind this or the lack thereof. Mm-hmm. Here you've got somebody who does many miracles and incredible signs, right? Yes. So therefore they are worried that everybody will follow him. Right. Yeah. And then, if everybody follows him, the Romans will come and destroy the city and the temple. Mm-hmm. If you've got somebody who does many miracles and signs, and who, in uh, this case, just here. Uh, has uh, well, actually, let's. Why don't we back up and let's read about the last miracle that Jesus just did? Why is it that they are having this conversation? So this context becomes important right here. So if we back up just a uh, few verses from here, why don't you read for me verse forty-three?
1: Then Jesus shouted, "Lazarus, come out!" And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go.
0: Okay, so this wow. is what they're afraid of, all right? Yeah. They have just seen Lazarus raised from the dead. Lazarus has been f- dead for four days. It's an undeniable miracle. There is no way possible for them in the circumstances of those times to be able to put this off as, you know, uh, they did They did pretend and they just sort of wrapped him up in gla- grave clothes and, and, and locked him away. Um, And put him there, you know, put him there in the in the tomb, and and he just sort of been hanging out there for the last four days. No, this was not possible. A funeral had taken place. The mourning and the grief that his family was going through was very, very real. Lazarus was very, very dead. They were worried that if they took the stone away, that it would stink. Lazarus's family was begging, please don't do that. That's going to be dishonouring to the dead. And unpleasant for the unlockers. Unpleasant for everybody. This (laughs) Uh is something, you know, nobody wants to do this. This is just not nice. Jesus says, okay, take the stone away and then calls him back to life. He comes back to life. So Jesus has just raised somebody from the dead that has been dead for four days. This is not someone who's been in a coma. You know, the, the, the widow's son or Jairus' daughter, you know, could have been one of those weird situations where people have a near death experience. Mm-hmm. And a near death experience is just that it's near death. That's right. It's not death. If you're dead, you are dead. Uh, but there was a near death experience. Well, they, 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 they could claim that it was a near death experience, whereas in this case, they can't claim that. There's no possibility of claiming that. All of the evidence they have is that a great miracle has just been taken and said, so, okay, let's put this guy to death.
1: It's, it's, so, it's so
0: messed up. Because, because let's, let's put him to death because with a miracle this big, everyone's going to follow him. And everybody if everybody follows him, the Romans will come and destroy our city and our temple and we'll all be dead.
1: I don't understand how they get from they'll all follow him to that means the Romans are going to come. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Why would the Romans come just because they were following this one guy? Like, I think they're just well, jealous. They're just jealous, and they're scared about their own popularity. To see what
0: happens is because after Jesus does die, everybody does follow him, and the following of Jesus actually becomes the official religion of the Roman Empire.
2: Mm.
1: Even the Romans follow it. Becomes the
0: state religion. Yeah. Uh, the thing that caused the Romans to come and destroy their city and their temple was not. Jesus Christ. Jesus prophesied about that happening, but it was their own stubborn rebellion.
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: But the other thing that sort of fascinates me about this is if, you, if, if you're if you so scared, of, why would you be scared of the Romans if you become a follower of Jesus Christ? Let's just look at this from purely a political, strategic perspective. Mm-hmm. And let's ask ourselves the question, why would you be afraid of the Romans if you have a leader? Let's say you make Jesus Christ your leader. Let's say you make make him the the temporal, unearthly king of Israel, right? Yeah. So the Romans get upset because the Jews now have a new king. Why would you be afraid? If he just raised Lazarus from the dead, clearly this is something that he has the power and the ability to do. Mm Mm-hmm. Why would you be afraid to go into battle? You shouldn't be. Because you go into battle and everybody gets killed and then Jesus just raises them back to let back to life again and they just keep fighting. That's right. You know, this is this is the ultimate solution. You know, a resurrection from the dead should be should have been recognized by the Jewish leaders at that time as the ultimate solution to the Roman problem. They did not like the Romans.
1: It's like a never ending battle royale. Yeah, exactly. Fight to the death, but it doesn't really mean anything.
0: Fight until <laughs> someone gives up. You know, and and you think how, how how long would the Roman soldiers fight for when they kept seeing, you know, all of their opponents just coming back to life That's and back right. to life and mm-hmm. back to life and back to life, you know, die, repeat, die, repeat, die, repeat right there in front of them. You're not going to continue fighting that battle. You're going to recognise this is a losing battle. This is not getting it going anywhere, and I'm giving up right now.
3: You're listening to Faith
1: FM, positively different radio.
0: So they've just found the ultimate solution to the Roman problem and they're like, oh, no, let's kill this guy. This is, the one, this is the one guy who can actually has the potential to solve this issue for them and they're like, oh, no, no, let's kill this guy in case the Romans come.
1: I still think it's just that they're jealous of his popularity. Oh, exactly. That's all
0: it is. And their jealousy has blinded, blinded them, them. Which it so often does. You know, to to, their, to to even selfish motivations.
1: Mm-hmm. Murderous motivations.
0: Because, you know, they could accept this guy. They could follow this guy. It could be a solution to all of their problems. But as, as has been clearly demonstrated in the way that uh, he has, um, you know, the power that he has, but they don't want the Romans to disappear under his leadership. They want the Romans to disappear under their leadership. Mm. Because if they follow him and he gets rid of the Romans, then he is number one and they are not number one. And they would rather be number one under the Romans than number one under Jesus Christ.
1: This is why politics has no place in church. I mean, look at look at the nonsense that they got up to. Yeah. Yeah, when yeah. they start getting all political about it. Just, oh.
0: It's just it, it makes no sense whatsoever at all, but it is the kind of uh, environment we do find ourselves in.
1: Yeah, I think I don't think the environment has changed too much today. I mean, people still rather like wrangle things so they can get the credit instead of just getting the job done. It, exactly. Focus on exactly. getting the job it's done. It's
0: all about credit and it's mm. all like, yeah, me, I did this, I mm-hmm, did that, mm-hmm. I did the other. Okay, so this is the background. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Immediately that happens. The Pharisees get together and say, okay, we've got to kill this guy. Mm-hmm. He is way too powerful. We have to kill him. You sort of wonder, you know, what they actually thought, how they thought that might work. You know, you're going up against somebody who has the power to raise someone from the dead and you have the confidence to think that you're going to kill it. The jealousy
1: them. really has blinded them, hasn't it?
0: Yeah, it's just like I would be scared to go up against somebody like that. Oh,
1: I wouldn't, I wouldn't even try. You know,
0: it's no wonder that they decided to take him in the middle of the night mm-hmm. uh, and then to stir up a crowd to, you know, get the whole... You know the crowd momentum thing happening because if that had tried to take him in daylight after the triumphal entry or after the resurrection of Lazarus, just imagine the 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 furor that that would have caused. You know, nothing nothing good takes place in politics after midnight. I hardly anything good happens at it all. Takes place in politics after
1: midnight. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. After midnight, this is uh, when you should be sound asleep Absolutely. in your bed. With your head on your pillow, decisions
1: get worse and worse and worse.
0: Why am I thinking about my bed and my pillow? Did I get too little sleep last I night? I
1: wonder whether or not these Pharisees were purposely stirring up a crowd, hoping that the crowds would do the actual killing because they didn't want to actually do it themselves because they maybe were a little bit apprehensive yeah, can, about then can, the. Then they,
0: can, then they can blame.
1: Yeah, I mean, but I mean, if he has if if they saw Jesus as an opponent that had supernatural powers, they probably wouldn't want to. Be the one wielding the sword themselves, going into battle, so to speak, against him. I feel like they purposely stood up, hoping that someone else would do the dirty work, just in case Jesus came out with some like blitzing power and like zapped them. Well, Jesus does.
0: The mob turns up, and Peter Peter cuts off of um, cuts Malchus' ear off, and he does a bit of healing instead. And Jesus picks up the ear, puts it back on his head, and heals the guy. Mm -hmm. Very, very clearly showing. Look, you can cut us down. All day long with your swords and your spears and your clubs, you can beat us and bash us, and I can just keep healing. You know, I, I'm I'm good to go. How long do you want me to keep healing for? You yeah, know? he has very very clearly demonstrated that they have no power against him or his disciples whatsoever at all. But they still drag him off. Mm. You know, they must have known after they saw that miracle take place. They must have known that the only reason that Jesus was going with them was because Jesus had chosen to. And if you were a smart person at that particular point, you would have figured out, you know, maybe this is not such a smart idea because if somebody with this kind of power is coming with us and not fighting against us, we are most likely walking into a trap here somewhere. And maybe this is a time that we need to just back out. Anyway, it's not what happened. Um, they get together, they're going to discuss the uh, the crucifixion of Jesus. And where uh, we read verse 47. Uh, let's read verse 49 and 50.
1: Caiaphas, who was high priest at that time, said, You don't know what you're talking about. You don't realize that it's better for you that one man should die for the people than the whole nation be destroyed. Okay. Smart guy, Caiaphas.
0: There you go. He mm. makes an interesting prophecy, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. but they're talking about, you know, that if 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 the world follows Jesus, then the Romans will come and, and take away our city and our temple. What people don't often realize here is that when this threat goes out, um, Jewish people have always been very, very good at making money. This is just a natural yeah. talent that they have, and God bless them for it. Um, I don't... You
1: keep saying that. You keep saying it's a natural... Child. I don't think it's a natural... Child. I think it's something they've been taught and it's sort of ingrained and it's part of the culture. Oh, yeah, culture. absolutely. Biblical yeah. principles. Mm-hmm. Biblical I don't think principles. anyone can learn it. I yeah, think yeah. anyone can learn it. Yeah. So yeah. go on. Totally.
0: Uh, but they've always been very good at making money mm-hmm. and the second largest economy in the world at that time, the first largest, of course, was the city of Rome. Mm-hmm. The second largest economy in the world at that time was the temple in Jerusalem.
2: Oh, A really? lot of people
0: don't realize that. Mm-hmm. This was a massive, massive money-making machine and Caiaphas was high priest and the people that he are talking to they are the ones who control this money-making machine
2: Oh, you see what's under threat right now mm -hmm. they have
0: this big money-making machine and they are like our money-making machine is under threat by Jesus because if we become followers of Jesus they also know what he taught to the rich young ruler. Go and sell what you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. You know They understand the attitude that Jesus has towards money and wealth. Jesus is not focused on money and wealth. He's not against money and wealth in any way, shape, or form. He hangs out with lots of wealthy people. But that's not his focus. It's not his interest. His interest is on salvation of souls. His interest is on people. His interest is on changing lives. And so, yeah, he's got he's got no interest here, um, in in what's taking place, you know, whatsoever whatsoever at all. But um, when uh, when you compare that with Caiaphas and the leaders at that particular time, you know, their their whole livelihood was not just just that their livelihood, but their wealth.
1: So you're saying that and their
0: unimaginable wealth is under threat.
1: They're being challenged between their love for money and their love for truth essentially here yeah them and, yeah, exactly. choosing and exactly. it's funny how that that story is actually often repeated not just um in the Bible, like you know look at those silversmiths that wanted to kill paul and but even today, you know having to choose but time that there's a there's a an issue in politics and people are fighting against it, it's often because it's threatening one of their cash cows mm-hmm. yeah it's such a driving force.
0: Yep, okay, so the cash cow is under threat and they are going to do something about it and Caiaphas says, well, it's better for one man to die for the nation than for the whole nation to die. Why is he making a prophecy? What, what is the prophecy that he's making there?
1: One man's going to die Yes. for a whole nation. Well, for the whole population of the world.
0: That's right. Um, and in verse 51, it continues on. We read it here a moment ago. And this he spoke not of himself. But being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for that nation. One man did die for that nation. And not for that nation only, John goes on to say, but that also he should gather together in the in one the children of God that are scattered abroad. Alright, so what is it here? that brings together and creates this unity where we are all gathered together in one. This, this concept of oneness, this unity here, what is, the, what is the focal point of this unity? Oh, Jesus. The death of Jesus Christ. Mm. That is what brings the world together. And that, that is the central point, the central part of the gospel that brings about unity. Let's go over to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, we've got a passage over here we're going to look at great story from Lazarus we've just read there and the response to the healing of Lazarus or the resurrection of Lazarus not exactly what you would expect but Hebrews chapter uh, sorry Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 through 10 please mon
1: He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his Son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure.
0: Thank you. So the Bible talks about something mysterious here. What is the Bible speaking about that is so mysterious in this passage? What is the mystery of God and how do we experience it? I like a good mystery, don't you, Mike? Absolutely. Uh, whenever whenever you know, somebody, oh, there's a great mystery here and you know, there's a, the mystery program on uh, National Geographic on TV or something or other, it always sort of catches your attention, you know, those clickbaits that you find. You know, I'll be right back after this.
2: Christian in my heart
0: There you go. That was Malvinus with In My Heart here on Faith FM. And, of course, Malvinus joined us. We had celebrities joining us for... Thanksgiving yesterday. Mm, it was really Great fun. Great to have her, um, her and her family there. Was I'm thinking fantastic.
1: now we should have made her sing. Sing for her supper. Go on, girl, sing. <laughs> That's what we should have done.
0: Been <laughs> yeah, like, absolutely. With you a You want like some that? veggie
1: turkey, Melvinus? You've got to sing for it. That's what we should have done. I think we missed out. Need a redo. <laughs> hey, let me get you the last quiz clue here.
4: Okay.
1: This is our what number am I quiz. I think we all know it's under, under 10. Less than 10. Okay, last clue. The number of times Paul pleaded with the Lord to remove a thorn from his flesh.
0: Ooh. Mm. How many times was that? Come on, guys, you know the answer to this one. one 324 843 Give us a call now if you know the answer and there is a prize coming your way. Well, a moment ago we were talking about a mystery. Yes.
1: yes. Do you ever
0: get fascinated by mysteries? Yep, absolutely. Do you ever get caught online following one of those clickbaits because there's a mystery coming?
1: Uh, Not that often. I'm pretty immune to clickbait. But Mm. if I do hear a mystery, I I will search online until I find the answer.
0: Yes. You know, I think clickbaits used to be sort of a bit of a thing a while ago, but I think most people have become immune to them now. When you click, when when you get to that point, you start reading the story and the story hasn't actually told you anything yet and you get to that point where you're going to click the next button and it's like, I've got to click another button to read this. It's like, yeah, yeah. no. Nah. Yeah. This is going to go on forever and ever and ever and ever and drag out. And, and eventually and they're going to ask
1: you for your credit card details.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: want the answer to this mystery? <laughs> Hand us your mix. <laughs>
0: Subscribe to this no, website. Oh,
1: yeah. Isn't that so annoying? And then <laughs> you're going to
0: get... You're going to have like a million things you're going to have to unsubscribe from in your emails thereafter, mm-hmm. which is just super, mm-hmm. super frustrating. Okay, so the Bible talks about a mystery here, though. Uh, where was it? Where did we read about that? Ephesians chapter 1, um, verse 9. Read that one for us again because uh, we may have forgotten what it said. Ephesians 1, verse 9. 1, verse 9.
1: It says, God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good
0: pleasure. Okay, so the Bible talks about a mysterious plan. Yeah. Why is it described as a mysterious plan?
1: Is it because no one knows about it?
0: What is the plan?
1: Well, it says in the next verse, I think.
0: Okay. Should we read the next verse? Why
1: not? (laughs) The next verse says, And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are, united, we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan.
0: Okay, so what is this mysterious plan?
1: Well, it keeps going.
0: Yeah, well, that's, verse 10 pretty much summarizes it.
1: Yeah, okay, I mean, it, it, it gives more the plan in verse 12, but yeah.
0: True. Okay, but uh, you, you want to read verse 12? You can read verse 12 okay. I, will, I will let you read verse 12 You have my permission
1: God's plan was that we Jews Who were first to trust in God Would bring praise and glory to God And now you Gentiles Have also heard the truth The good news that God saves you And when you believed in Christ He identified you as his own By giving you the Holy Spirit Whom he promised long ago
0: Okay so the plan is mm. To bring everybody together in Christ We could probably the summarize it that thickens. way Yep, yes. yep. Uh, Why is that mysterious? I don't know let me, let me, because Paul, Paul likes this, this concept of a mystery. I think it's, I think it's good marketing on his part.
1: Yeah. <laughs> true, true, actually.
0: Okay, go to Ephesians chapter 6 and read for me verse 19.
1: Verse 19, and pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike.
0: Okay, so notice here the Bible speaks about the mysterious plan again, and in verse 19 it says um, in my translation, uh, pray for me that utterance, there's a a cool word for you, how often do you utter things, Mon?
1: Well, I'm a bit of a mumbler, so I'm always uttering
0: things. (laughs) (laughs) Uttering is not actually mumbling, uttering is any word that you speak.
1: Oh, really? Yes. Like an utterance?
0: An utterance. Oh, there it's you go. Actually, it's actually, in, in context, it's actually the opposite of mumbling. Oh, really? Mm. And because utter sounds like mutter? If you if you make an utterance, it means that you have made a profound statement often.
1: I like to think I utter every morning on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> mm.
0: Give us a call, 1-800-324-843 is our number, and tell us whether Mon ever says anything profound on the radio. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would probably be a no.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, look, the phone's ringing off the hook. No, I'm joking.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, dear. Okay, but the Bible says that utterance uh, or that speech will be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Mm. So the Bible describes the gospel as being a mystery. And My question is what is so mysterious about the gospel? What? Because a mystery is obviously something you don't understand, right? Right. So what, is, what about what, what aspect of the gospel is there that we don't understand that is a mystery?
1: I, th- I mean, maybe to a uh, a person who's first hearing about it, mm-hmm. it can be quite mysterious as to why God would want to save you when you're such a wretch. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That that still boggles my mind. Like, mm-hmm. why does he want? That's me? that's that's a I'm good. I'm such thought. a sinner. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Here's,
0: here's another one. What about for somebody who's learning the gospel for the first time? Why would God have to die?
1: Yep, that's another one. Yeah,
0: I think for somebody who has no understanding of the gospel, who has no understanding of the great controversy between Christ and Satan, that'd be like, really, die? Mm-hmm. What's that actually going to accomplish?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How does it even work? What does it even do?
1: I then once you've once you've like figured that one out, it's like, well, why would God have to die for me? Like, why? Yeah, why that's die right for me. Yeah. That's the next step. Yeah. The, the next mm-hmm.
0: logical step is like, why would He mm-hmm. for me? That's right. Uh, and then there's another aspect of the mystery that I find even most fascinating. And oh. that is, yeah, go ahead.
1: Is it that um, it doesn't cost anything for us? We don't have to do anything? It's not like a works thing? All right, yep, like yep. It bubbles the yep. mind. yeah. Uh-huh, I like that. Very mysterious, yep.
0: Uh-huh. Because everything here you on this earth, you don't, you, you don't get anything for free Nothing's on this earth. Free. Nothing's you gotta free. you got to pay for everything. Which makes the gospel something really, really hard for humans to be able to come to grips with. To Maybe even. that's
1: the mysterious part because, you know, just like you said before, Jews are so good at making money. It probably boggled the people's mind that he was a salvation that was free.
0: Maybe this is one of the reasons mm. why it was so hard for the Jews to accept.
1: Maybe that's why they called
0: it the mysterious
1: plan. Mm,
0: the free gift.
1: Uh huh.
0: Yeah. Indeed. What was your one? Okay, so here's my one. Tell me whether well, tell me whether you think this one cl- uh, qualifies or not. Uh, the power of God to change a person's life. How does God oh, do that?
1: yeah, That's a good one. That's a God very good do one. That? I, how does He?
0: Well, you see the evidence. It's like Jesus says in John chapter three. It's like the wind. Yes. You can't see the wind. Uh huh. But you can see it move the trees. Uh-huh. And you can't see grace. Correct, but you can see it move it a person, mm-hmm. and you can see a person become a new and a different and a better person as a result of the grace of God.
1: I think you hit the nail on the head. That's going to be the mysterious part. I think it's probably it the, is a, for me. That's it still the boggles most, my mind. Yeah, that's
0: that's the part that I don't understand. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those things that you know. I, I work in evangelism. I work in soul winning. You're a Bible <laughs> worker. We see people that give their lives to God. We see the changes that take place in their lives and so often we would like to, you know, to think about I think some people you know sometimes they'll look at you and I and they're like, Oh, you know, he won this person to God, he did that, he did this, he did the other, you know, went there and they got all these baptisms and so on and so forth. When you're actually in our shoes, you often feel like a spectator. Mm. It's like, what did I do? you know, because you're studying the Bible with somebody or whatever it might be, and suddenly their life just changes. It's like, wow, what, what, what did I do? How did this actually happen? Um, and, and, and to me, that's the, the greatest part of the mystery of the gospel. But the mystery of the gospel, that's what brings unity because when a person's life is changed, then that person becomes one in Christ, and when we become one in Christ, we can truly become one with each other.
1: Amen. That's the importance of unity.
0: And this is this is where the cross of Christ brings unity and brings us all together. This is the King's Kaleidoscope. All glory be to Christ when it comes. Yep, there it is
3: Should nothing of our efforts in no legacy survive unless The Lord does raise the house in vain Its builders strive To you who boast tomorrow's gain Tell me what is your life A mist that vanishes at dawn all glory Our king, all glory be to Christ, his rule and reign will ever sing, all glory be to Christ, His will be done, His Kingdom come on earth as is. Our King, all glory be to Christ. His rule and reign will ever sing. All glory be to Christ.
1: It's easier said than done but now there's a new approach to help us be more forgiving a program called Forgive to Live it's designed to help us all improve our lives you'll discover the healing power of forgiveness a relationship breakdown long term hurt unresolved conflict through Forgive to Live you can break this cycle and start living a more forgiving life so if you're keen to take that first step head to forgivetolive.org.au
4: As I walk in the shadow of your love And each step I take Help me make no mistake As I dwell in the comfort of your love And I will
0: Welcome back, guys. You're listening to Grego Pillay with I Will Bow My Knee here on Faith FM, and we have come to question of the day, and what a doozy we have today.
1: Yes, this is a heavy-hitting question, and I'm very interested to hear the answer, Lyle. The question is, does the Bible say that God punishes the children for the sins of their parents f- unto the fourth generation? Yes. Wow. Okay. Well, thanks. That was really great. Um, thank you all for coming. <laughs> it's really great to have you here.
0: You want to know some context to this one, right? Yeah, this is yes, one of those, please. It's one, one of those passages that is often used by, um, I guess, opponents of Christianity to say, you know, you serve a terrible God, a God of, of hatred and so forth. Um, and, you know, the Bible is a large book. We need to remember the Bible is a large book. It was written over 1,400 years, uh, 66 different books, 44 different authors. Um, it has, uh, you know, most of them are around about 1,100 pages long um, and, uh, you know, it, it a lot of material. And it. it would be strange if you had a book that was so diverse that did not have the odd, seemingly out of place passage. Let me read to you what the Bible says. This comes from Exodus 34, verse 6 and 7. The Bible says the Lord, and this is God speaking. Um, he's presenting himself. The Lord, a a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for the thousandth generation, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, yet by no means clearing the guilty but visiting the iniquity of the parents upon the children unto the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And so there you have it. Visiting the iniquity or punishing the iniquity of the parents upon the children up to the fourth generation generation. What on earth is the Bible talking about here? And how do you deal with an out-of-place Bible passage, particularly when you are looking at a book that has very, very clear evidence of supernatural authorship and inspiration? You've got a couple of uh, options that you can choose. One is that you can just chuck, chuck the whole book out together without even looking any further. The other is that you can say, well, obviously God is not a God of love. He's a God of hate and vengeance. Or alternatively, you can maybe dig a little bit deeper And by digging a little bit deeper, you're going to find out some things that the Bible says very, very emphatically. I'm going to read this from Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 20, and this is a principle that runs throughout the Bible. So we need to be aware of this. This is this is the Bible as a whole, teaches this. The soul who sins will die. The son will not bear the iniquity of the father, the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son the righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself and the wickedness upon the wicked uh, the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself the bible is crystal clear that nobody is punished for something that they did not do we are all punished for things that we did do so how does then does this passage fit in because it seems that we have a a, a contradiction here do we actually have a contradiction first of all we need to note the pa- the context of the passage if the surface reading of this passage was actually true, then this passage would never have been written because the Israelites would never have been there because they had been in 400 years years of paganism, 400 years that they had been uh, slaves, had been gone from God in Egyptian captivity, and they would have been under the curse of God. And even if they came to God, according to this passage, it would have taken them four generations to weed that out so that they could actually come under the blessing of God again. So it's very clear from the context of the passage that the surface reading misunderstands what the verse is actually speaking about. And, of course, anyone who was standing there at that time, you know, that would be super obvious to them that uh, you know, this, was, this was not what God was actually intending by what he was saying. The second thing we need to recognize is that this is written in Hebrew poetry. And I want you to notice some of the contra- contrast that comes up when you read it in Hebrew in, 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 as a form of poetry. Keeping steadfast love for the thousandth generation, but by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the parents upon the children, children to the third and fourth generation. There is a very big contrast here, and I want you to notice the contrast. God's mercy is passed to a thousand generations, but judgment is only just passed to four, three or four at the most. And so, and so God is trying to build a contrast here using poetic language. You know, if, if you come under my mercy, it will last for a thousand generations. So choose my mercy. If you choose my judgment, it only goes for four at the most. But even still, even when you add in some poetic license, the Bible still does say what it says. And for those who struggle with the poetic license and like, yes, but the Bible, the Bible says what it says, then how do we actually understand that? The third and fourth generation is the lifespan of a human being. Typically, we plan to live to see our grandchildren, the third generation, and we hope to see our great-grandchildren, the fourth generation. So this is the lifespan of an individual. When a person commits sin, there are natural consequences to that sin. Consequences where God does not have to intervene for something bad to take place. They're just natural consequences and they naturally happen. Those consequences are often described in the Bible as being judgments from God, even though God didn't do anything, he just refrained from doing something. Those consequences for sin will often pass down through Four generations, because if I sin, it affects my it affects my children, it affects their children, it affects my grandchildren, each one to a lesser extent. But my sin will affect down through four generations. We can look at uh, probably if we look at our own families, we can see you know many evidences of how this has actually taken place. There is an appeal here, an appeal between first of all the guiltless that receive mercy for a thousand generations, versus the guilty who receive judgment, and the appeal is. Come to mercy to receive mercy that will last for a thousand generations, and then, uh, of course, you know the Bible emphatically states, as we mentioned earlier, that nobody is punished for something they did not do. If the children are being punished, then we have um, clearly there is guilt here involved as well. And the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's the uh, a short version to a uh, longer answer.
1: Thank you so much, Lyle. That was uh, really interesting. If you have a question, you can obviously get it answered here. We love having your questions come through. Give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. You can text your questions, 0491-064-669, or through any of our social media platforms. Of course, if you would like to remain anonymous, that is perfectly fine. Thank you, Lyle. And uh, stay tuned. We're coming up with a free giveaway after the next song
0: break.
2: Strange, the path we choose I've tried but failed to walk in someone else's shoes Strange, how I've tried To walk this road alone not knowing The things I might find
1: Back to Faith FM. We're at the end of our breakfast show and we have a wonderful giveaway. In fact, Lyle, I'm going to give a a double pack. A
2: a double pack? Two
1: prizes in one today. Not messing around. Not messing around. Oh, we are going to give away. away, Look how big this thing is. We're going to give away a copy of the KJV Bible, Mm -hmm. the Holy Bible. Beautiful Bible with a red and white cover. And uh, the the beginning of each chapter has like a little breakdown about what to expect. Sorry, not chapter, um, book. Uh, you know a little bit of information about the book, and then I'm going to give away along with it a Bible cover, really nice turquoise blue Bible cover has a Ulysses bu- uh, butterfly on it with uh, Second Corinthians five seventeen. Uh, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. You know, mm-hmm. bu- butterflies, you know, the new life worm thing. <laughs>
2: uh,
0: ah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, I so get it. I get it. I get it. The whole metamorphosis from that's a grub exactly it. to a butterfly.
1: Yes. So reading the, the Bible is, will turn you, you from a grub to a butterfly. What are,
0: what are you right now? If you were a grub. Then maybe you need this one. Yes,
1: yeah, so this Turning is brand you into a new. Butterfly. They're both brand new, still um, you know in the packaging. So uh, you can get this wonderful Bible with a Bible cover today. Give us a call. One eight hundred Faith FM is our number. One 843 It's totally for free. Don't even have to answer anything. Just the first person to call through will get this double price today.
0: Okay, so don't forget to give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is the number or text us on 0491-064-669. And, of course, don't forget that you can contact us through all of our social medias. And also don't forget that if you're struggling with a poor signal wherever you are, the best way to listen to Faith FM is via uh, faithfm.com.au. Simply press play or via the TuneIn app on your mobile device. We need to talk more about this because... That way you never drive out of range of the transmitter. You've always got it there available for you.
1: If you'd like to get copies of some Bible studies and do some Bible studies, you can also call us 1-800-FAITH-FM and uh, even Lyle's Bible Study Guides, the um, the prophetic code, really good stuff. But you have a wonderful day. We'll be back tomorrow morning after 7 o'clock news.